Hello and welcome to the Richard Hunter interview. As ever, this is the place where I'll be discussing matters of interest with a whole range of investment experts. In this episode, I'm pleased to be joined by Martin Jones, Lead Fund Manager of the Lion Trust Sustainable Future European Growth Fund. Martin is also Lead Fund Manager of the Lion Trust Sustainable Future Pan-European Growth Fund. He joined Lion Trust in 2017 following the acquisition of Alliance Trust Investments and became a Portfolio Manager in November 2019. Prior to Lion Trust, Martin spent five years at Alliance Trust Investments, initially as a graduate trainee and then as an analyst with the Sustainable Investment Team. Martin has an MA in Management from the University of Glasgow and a Master's in Sustainability Leadership at the University of Cambridge. He has completed the IMC and is a CFA charter holder. So firstly, a very warm welcome to you, Martin, and thanks for sparing us some of your time. Thanks for your time, Richard. In terms of the Lion Trust Sustainable Future European Growth Fund, firstly, perhaps you could just talk us through the objectives and the strategy of the fund? Yeah, absolutely. So the fund's objective is to protect and grow capital over the long term by investing in growing European companies. And these companies, we're looking for them to benefit from and drive positive change um, and have a positive impact on the environment and society. So, you know, this results in a relatively concentrated portfolio of around 40 businesses uh, and a low level of holding turnover. So you won't see us churning much. As you mentioned, the fund is led by myself, but I've got a strong team of people behind me um, from the Sustainable Future team at Align Trust, which was established uh, you know, over 20 years ago now, celebrating our 20th birthday this year. Uh, and the process uses a thematic approach to identify the, the big structural growth trends that will shape the economy to become cleaner, healthier, and, and safer. And then the next stage, which I'll go into in some of the, the following, I expect questions, is we look for those rare, high quality businesses that are not only enabling and benefiting from these changes, but they are also, uh, they have strong embedded competitive advantages that will enable them to generate superior capital returns over the long term. So finally, what we're doing is trying to take a, a longer term approach than the market does. So we're not thinking over the next 12 or 24 months, we're thinking over the next five years and that patience and our understanding of the opportunities and, and competitive advantages will hopefully result in, in strong levels of, of compounding of capital. So that's sort of in a nutshell what the objective of, of this fund is over the long term. And what are the geographical and sector weightings within the fund? Yeah, so it's an interesting question. So I think that maybe we can dive a bit into the into that process. So you know, it's worth highlighting that thematic approach and that start point. And this really leads us to bottom-up stock selection as opposed to thinking about geographies or underweighting any specific sector. Um, so we really don't have that top-down approach. You know, we simply want to create a well-diversified portfolio of the very best 40 or so companies in Europe that are benefiting from and driving this change and that will compound our, our clients' capital uh, over the long term. So... You know, we don't have a, a view on macroeconomics or, or politics that shapes the portfolio and would lead us to over underweight any geography or sector. Instead, we devote all of our time and our energy to understanding our companies extremely well, you know, their risks and opportunities and the thematic tailwinds that will enable them to grow over the next five and 10 years beyond. So, you know, with that said, you know, we do want to manage risk in the portfolio. So, and by risk, we don't talk about 
share price volatility, we, we think of risk in terms of permanent capital loss. So what we want to do is diversify sufficiently across themes, the 21 themes that we have underlying our, our mega trends. Uh, we want to diversify by end customer and where revenues are actually derived. So we, we think that that sort of more granular view of each company and how that aggregates up at a portfolio level helps us to more effectively understand risks. Um, thinking in terms of like geographies and, and sectors can sometimes lead to you know, oversimplifications and blind spots, um, maybe giving a sense of false comfort. And because sectors are so blurred now, um, for example, technology companies, they might be majority focused on the finance sector. And, you know, or some consumer staple companies might actually be now focused on healthcare. You know, and, and equally, a company's domicile might not actually tell you much about where the earnings are actually coming from, because these businesses are typically very global in their outlook. So, yeah, we kind of think about it much more from a, a bottom-up perspective around our key megatrends of cleaner, healthier and safer economy in the future, and then finding those really special businesses and building them up into a diversified portfolio. Understood. So with that bottom up approach in mind, what sort of things are, are you looking for in specific stocks, be that, you know, quality, value, dividends? Yeah, well, um, we kind of do what we say on the tin. So we invest in high quality companies growing and uh, benefiting from positive change. And, you know, I, I won't add too much to the quality or, or value debate. You know, I'm not sure you know, as Warren Buffett says, that it's it's particularly helpful because ultimately all market participants are out for the same thing. They're looking for underappreciated future free cash flow growth. That's what the, the sort of the name of the game is. And we don't try to separate it out too much. But um, I think that the thing that all investors do have in common is an evidenced and repeatable approach and, and a willingness to learn and adapt to, you know, a, a rapidly changing world. So, you know, our philosophy and approach developed over the last 20 years really rests on common sense. So we think the best way to protect and grow capital is to invest in businesses that are making life better. So the, the companies which are selling products and services that are tackling you know, tough problems like the climate crisis, ill health, cybersecurity, financial resilience, we're likely to see growing demand in all of these sectors. And there's a tailwind to be had for those businesses which are enabling positive change. Uh, we just need much more of what they're, they're providing, they're selling. These are obvious uh, and observable changes that I think that most people could recognize. However, the market is focused on a much shorter term time period. So, you know, at best, they're maybe thinking the next 12 or 24 months out and they consistently underappreciate the potential of these businesses, you know, and they might even understand and, and recognize and agree on the big structural tailwinds that are behind them. But, you know, thinking on that long five and 10 year view is just lost, I think, sometimes. So what we try to do is focus on that long term. And we have four factors which we're looking for for a company to be eligible for the portfolio. So the first factor is thematic analysis. So we are trying to understand the pockets of sustainable and dependable growth in the economy and the companies which are harnessing those positive changes. The second stage, second filter will be our sustainability analysis. That's where we are trying to assess the quality of management, the sustainability of a firm's products or service and the likely demand that they're likely to have in the future. 
and how well they're managing key impacts on the environment and society and thinking holistically about their stakeholders. The third stage, which we think is a bit of our secret sauce, is integrating that into fundamentals. So thinking about the theme will help to inform the company's revenue growth over the next five and 10 years and how they're harnessing that. And the the sustainability analysis will help inform our, our view of profitability and crucially returns on capital. You know, what are the competitive advantages that will enable them to generate strong returns, not in one or two years from now, but five and 10, that will protect those high returns. And then the final stage, as I said, is making sure that this is underappreciated by the market on that, that long-term perspective. So five years from now, 10 years from now, the market just doesn't understand the longevity of growth and the strong returns which that company will, will generate. Could you perhaps talk us through one or two of your top holdings or positions at the moment? Yeah, so I've, uh, there's a there's a range of companies in the in the sort of the, the top ten, and we'll we'll sort of speak to the diversification of the portfolio. So ASML is a company which you know maybe many of your listeners are are aware of, but it's been in our portfolio for over ten years. So ASML is a, a Netherlands-based company. It actually spun out of Philips, which is another, which is a much larger, well-known company over 30 years ago. And it really operates on the boundaries of, of physics. So they're the world leader in the development and manufacturing of lithography machines. So in really simplistic terms, which I'm sure would make them cringe, they are they've developed technology which fires extreme ultraviolet light lasers through vaporized tin molecules refracted over a hundred mirrors and that carefully etches out the nodes on a circuit board or silicon wafer. So as our computing power and we ask more and more from all of our devices, at the same time we need to become much more energy efficient with all of our devices. This is incredibly important technology that they've been developing for you know as i say 30 or 40 years so they really that that innovation that consistent investment in research and technology develop hiring the very smartest people and compounding their knowledge over time has just given them an unassailable lead versus their competitor there really is no competing technology now and we've been backing that company consistently for over a decade and and now they have you know a backlog of over two years for their their machines uh, and their machines can cost up to 300 million dollars so these are extremely expensive uh, machines which are absolutely critical to our our big systems Another newer company, one of the top holdings, is a, a technology company called Nagaro. So Nagaro spun out of a parent company in Germany called Algeier last year, one of the smaller cap names in the portfolio. Uh, it's a consulting company that helps their customers who represented across the economy. They help them digitize their processes, increase productivity, and become more robust to cyber threats. So essentially what Nagaro has is around 10,000 extremely smart specialist IT engineers, and they can work with their customers to develop really complex tools which will help digitize their businesses. 
Um, in the research process, uh, when we were looking at Nagaro, we spoke to one of their, their long-term customers, Lufthansa, the airline. And what they helped uh, Lufthansa do is connect all their complicated back office operations with a very slick and user-friendly uh, user interface for their customers. So very difficult to do and make it look nice and neat. And they do these sorts of projects for massive blue chip customers like Roche or McKinsey, BMW, Audi. And they have very long-term relationships with these key customers. So that's um, been one of the newer holdings in the portfolio, but one which we're really excited for the, the coming decade. Obviously, over the last 18 months or so, we've been in some quite extraordinary situations globally. How have you found that uh, your fund has been coping over that uh, rather special time? Yeah, well, my um, my tenure as a fund manager almost, uh, you know, just just pre predated the the turmoil that we've seen in the market and all the the panic we've seen created by the COVID pandemic. So right in at the deep end as a fund manager, but the, the fund has done very well over the past eighteen months. And we try to what we always try to do is again focus on the longer term. But you know, the eighteen months of volatility that we've seen, that the portfolio has has fared well. So. So these, we're invested in businesses typically with very strong and robust demand for their products and services. So, you know, essential healthcare, communication, technology, these are the sorts of companies which we're invested in and, and not say the, the very hardest hit consumer discretionary parts of the market. So that's not to say that, you know, we weren't, we didn't have parts of the portfolio which were impacted, but overall in the very first stages of the, the COVID pandemic, we fared very well. So we have businesses with very good management teams of the highest integrity, and they have a conservative approach to the way that they manage their balance sheets. So, you know, the, the portfolio was entering the, the pandemic with a very strong cash position and strong cash generative business models. And we actually had, you know, a number of businesses that were directly involved in the testing of COVID and also the therapeutics behind it. So um, the, the, the portfolio benefited from holding some of these businesses. If we think about some of the, the less um, well-performing parts of the, the portfolio in the last 18 months, um, it's been those COVID pandemic companies which have had their revenue taps turned off. So one company in particular, uh, which was hit in the portfolio is BasicFit. Um, so this is Europe's largest low cost uh, gym company, a thousand sites over Benelux, France and Spain. And as you can imagine, it was an incredibly difficult period for them. So none of their members could attend the gyms and they, you know, due to the lockdown, they weren't paying their, their membership fees. And so the business, you know, went through a, a particularly tough time. And the share price was down dramatically. But, you know, our our four part process and our long term approach, you know, helped us to stay calm uh, and try to understand the near term pressing issue of, you know, will they survive the, the, the financial you know crush that they're into? Um, but also think more about the long term impacts and the thesis of the business. You know, and after consulting, a, you know, a wide range of experts on on the gym industry, a lot of you know soul searching around the company. We thought that the company would survive and had the capacity to do so, and that they would actually likely emerge as a stronger player because their competitors are much 
you know, very weak at this point. So we actually added to that position in the middle of the year and that helped us outperform in the second half of the year. So we kind of added to the, the parts of the portfolio which were impacted in the short term, but we're likely going to benefit longer term from weakened competitors and that they, on a longer term basis, were very attractively valued. So that's how we've kind of navigated this over the last 18 months, but taking always that that five and 10 year view. Oh, finally, Martin, notwithstanding the fact that obviously you, you've made it quite clear that you have a, a bottom-up approach with regards to your portfolio, what do you see as um, the outlook from here and, and how are you positioned accordingly? Yeah, so uh, we're we're not a team for, for crystal ball macro gazing, um, unfortunately. Um, you know, I think that the last two years have given us a pretty stark lesson in the, the perils of these predictions. So what, we, what we're trying to do is stick out of the debates on inflation. You know, are they transitory? Are they, is inflation here to stay with imminent rate rises coming down? And then you have the other side of the debate talking about aging demographics, technology, deflation, all these sorts of factors like automation and what what impact that will have on interest rates long term. So we, what we try to do is be cognizant of these risks, um, if, if, if you want to call them those, uh, and try to just reflect these things in the portfolio. Be cognizant and try to create a well-diversified portfolio which understands and recognizes these things, but ultimately the performance will be driven by the individual stock selection over long-term time periods. So we think that this well-diversified portfolio with 21 sustainability-driven themes, which are obvious observable over the coming decades, we think that that is the best way to, to navigate whatever macro developments might emerge over the, over the coming five and 10 years. Thanks again for your time, Martin, and for those valuable insights. That's Martin Jones, Lead Fund Manager of the Lion Trust Sustainable Future European Growth Fund. And thank you for listening. Please feel free to like and subscribe. And of course, you can find much more, by the way, of investment insight and ideas at ii.co.uk. I'll be back next Tuesday with another Richard Hunter interview. Bye for now.